just to let you know that. So I'm not going to give you a ride home if you don't turn them off. Um, also, we have two announcements. I need to make an announcement that this is the last Sunday of the month that we're taking offerings up for the Pakistan church. Uh, we're trying to raise money uh, to build a church over there, so this is the last Sunday we're doing that. And then next month we're taking uh, donations for the food banks, uh, pampers, or not pampers, just uh, diapers, and um, different type of donations, things like that. So that's next month as well. So if you have your Bibles, if you go ahead and turn your Bibles to the book of Micah, that's where we're going to be today, Micah chapter 7. Uh, we're going to cover seven, seven verses today. Um, exciting services. As you know, I've, I've preached... The last time I've done some preaching, uh, I've been in the Old Testament. I've been in the, in the Minor Prophets. I love the Minor Prophets. I've been studying them on my way to work. Um, just studying them more and more, um, getting an insight on where we're at. And it's interesting, I, I did this, prepared a lot of this sermon a long time ago. Um, and my intro says, do you trust the federal government? And I know I'm not, I'm not going politics here. I'm not going to talk about who you're voting for or anything like that. But I know as overall, most of Americans, that 20% of Americans approve of Congress. Um, and I don't know if you're that 26% or you're that 74%. I don't, I'm not going to ask you. I'm sure we're probably on the same page. Um, but it's interesting that 26% of Americans uh, approve of Congress. 17% of Americans trust the government. Uh, it's very interesting that only 17% of the, of the United States, of the Americans today trust the government. Why don't we trust the government? And this is going into our Old Testament scripture today. So this does have correlation. It's not just a political speech today. The, the thing I love about the Old Testament prophets, the minor prophets, a lot of those, a lot of the, 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 the um, their everyday life really resembles everyday life here in the United States and, and throughout the world. So why don't we trust the government? Because scandals of corruptions, the power of lobbyists, people looking out for themselves, gaining power, making money, where other people are struggling on a daily basis. The rich get richer and the poor get poorer. The sharp divine and mistrust among the Republicans and the Democrats, even in the same poli in the poli political polis parties, I'm sorry, they still have issues. Well, our day has some similarities to Micah's today. Micah was a prophet who spoke to both the northern kingdom of Israel and to the southern kingdom of Israel as well. Micah was alive and preaching the time of the destruction of the northern kingdom that took place. Remember a prophet, what a prophet is. A prophet is someone who might occasionally, on a regular basis, tell the future of what God's plans is. He reveals the, the mystery of what will happen in the future, but more commonly, prophets looked at God's word. They, they looked at the behavior of God's people and proclaimed what God would do as a result. This is foretelling. And Micah did a lot of foretelling with the people of Israel. Micah's book, book is a mix of explaining the misery of Micah's day, but also it's, a, it's, a, it's also showing God's hope and his provision in our time of difficulties. Today I want us to get the message of Micah by looking at the seven verses. And we're going to find out some powerful insights that speak to us. God helps people in their misery. I'm going to ask you just a simple question. I think we all know the answer. Have you ever been miserable before? Have you ever been in that situation where just, it just seems like no matter what you do, no matter what takes place, the misery is always upon you? And, and, and it's, it's difficult times. Lori and I, right now, we are examining our lives where we are in life today. A brown Ford truck left their lights on. 
We will not make icon to that person who is getting up at this moment. Thank you, sir. Steve, I'm not going to give you a ride home either. All right. <laughs> yeah, faster, Michael will. All right. Um, all right, so here we go. Sorry, I don't handle distractions well. Uh, so here we are. When you look at the world today, I see, we see a lot of amazing... Oh, so Lori and I have been reflecting upon our lives. As you know, um, we, we've had a big transition in our lives. We, we've been taking our care of our granddaughter for the last year and a half. She's, she'll be two in November. And so for the last year and a half, we are, um, we've been taking care of her, and our lives have been completely changed. And I'm not saying she brings misery to our life. I'm not saying that at all. But what I'm saying is that it's not how I had things pictured or imagined being a, uh, a grandpa. I imagined them coming to my house and spoiling them and sending, feeding them candy and Dr. Pepper and sending them home. Um, it wasn't Red Bull. Um, but now it's like she lives with us all the time. And I love, I love her dearly. And it, but it's just changed everything. And I know that's not misery because I know she's safe and she's secure. I know she has a place to, where she's going to be taught who Jesus is. But that we look at the world today and we see a lot of people suffering. We see people in the church suffering today. We see America being divided by our, by our theology, by our ideology, by our, our thought processes. What we see today, <coughs> poverty being even more so in the United States. We see people not being able to pay their rent, not being able to, to go to work and, and collect a paycheck. We see misery brought about divorce, broken homes, and loneliness. During this time right now, we are seeing more and more people lonely because of the, the isolation of what is going on in people's lives. And we see suicide rates higher. We see depression higher. We see these numbers so much higher because of the misery that the evil one is bringing into our lives. The misery also is brought on by sin as well. I think the more we just have a sin issue here in the United States. The people of Micah's day knew misery and they knew it. Their only hope was to cry out to God. So let's go ahead and turn to your book Bibles to Micah chapter 7, 14 and 15. This is just two of the scriptures we're covering this morning, but scriptures that are very dear and very reflective on where we are in the United States. O Lord, protect your people with your shepherd's staff. Lead your flock in a special possession. Though they live alone in a thicket on the height of Mount Carmel, let them graze in the fertile pastures of Bashan and Gilead, as they did long ago. Yes, says the Lord, I will do miracles for you like those I did when I rescued you from, from slavery in Egypt. Micah asks God to protect his people from the world. He cries out to God to protect his people. He evokes the image of a shepherd's staff. He asks God to come to the aid of his people like the sheep who are under attack. Without God's help, they will utterly be destroyed. The second part of the verse 14 pictures Israel as a small fortified city with enemies all around them. They are safe as long as they stay in the city, but as if they venture out, they will be destroyed. I, this thing's very, it makes, brings an image to my mind of how we are in a church, the church setting today, that we are safe and secure in the arms of Christ Jesus, that we are safe and secure in the fold of a church together, but when we step outside of that fold, we can bring destruction. So what's going on here? Why is everything so bad in Israel? The immediate problem for Micah's hearers were the Assyrians and the Babylonians who captured the northern kingdom of Israel and the southern kingdom of Judea. In Micah's day, he probably saw the beginning of the fall of the north kingdom and was looking at the destruction of the southern. 
what was happening to God's people, didn't he promise to protect them? Don't we see scripture after scripture of God promising to protect the Israelites? The answer is that Assyrians, the Babylons, would succeed and capture Israel and Judea because of the sins of the people. If you look towards the Old Testament, sin is disobedience to God. And when there's disobedience to God, God desires his people to come back and to be redeemed by him. Most of the book of Micah explains God's people have turned to sin and idolatry. Most of the people, most of the Israelites turn to sin and it's idolatry worship during this period of time. I just want to ask a quick question for, for you. I know majority of you people in this room today, but also when we live stream this to Facebook and it goes out, how many of us have really been able to stay in the fold? How many of us have stayed in the fellowship of believers during the time of the COVID since back in March? How easy it is to become relaxed and very easy not to go to church anymore, not to be in the word of God anymore, not to be in our scriptures or not to pray anymore. Lord, I was talking about this this last week and how easy it is just to, 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 live, to listen to a sermon on the way to somewhere uh, as you travel and just have the fellowship between her and I, which is wonderful. But God's called us to have that fellowship with other brothers and sisters in Christ. He's called us to be the body of Christ. And so as I look at this, it's so easy for people to turn to sin when there's not accountability. Their leaders were corrupt and oppressed and they oppressed the poor. The prophets took bribes and shared the message that the government wanted to hear, not that came from the Lord. In other words, the king would pay prophets to preach a message that was favorable to the king, even if it didn't come from God. Sort of reminds me where we are today. There was a lack of righteous people in the land. It's not, it, justif- it not justified the kings and priests were dishonest towards God. Near everyone was that way. Micah uses this illustration as a grapevine in the harvest time in 7, 1 and 2. He says that when he went to go pluck the grapes from the vine, there was none there. There's a picture of looking for righteous people in Israel. In other words, there are hardly any holy people in God's land. So Israel was going to lose the war because of their sin. Not because of God's lack of power. Not because of chance of history. Not because of military um, abilities. But because God saw the sin in Israel's life. It was God's punishment on his people. Do you realize that God does punish people when they sin? No, don't get me wrong. We will cover this a little more. We, we know that God loves those. He disciplines those who he loves. But Israel's sins of hundreds of years had led to this point of the destruction of the northern kingdom and coming to the southern kingdom. But thankfully, this isn't the end of the story. Micah's book contains a number of prophecies that follow the same judgment of a help of restoration. What, what does restoration mean? What does reconciliation mean? Reconciliation means that two parties that are at odds come together and they come together and make peace. Micah asked for protection for his people, for God's people. Those who are faithful to God are living in an extraordinary, corrupt, and a dangerous world. They need help from God who would lead them like a shepherd. The answer is yes, God is going to be there. So during this time of Micah's uh, his, his life, his, his legacy, the people are wanting to do what is right. They're wanting to do what is correct. They're wanting to do, they want to see that hope. They want to see the, the, the ability of their land being rose again and being victorious as a country. But all they see is misery. All they see is helplessness. 
And I don't know about you, but that's where I'm right now in my life, with our country. I feel like no matter what I do, no matter the direction I'm heading, I can't make a big imprint. I can't make a big impact upon society because I'm such a small person. And so no matter what I do, it seems hopeless. No matter what I want to do, why do it? But God does not call us to do that. God calls us to be impactful in our small sphere of influence. The people that we come in contact daily with, we are to impact their lives for the glory of God. We are to make a difference in their lives because of the fruits of the Spirit in ours. Micah asks to protect God's people. That's been one of my prayers here a lot lately, is Lord, protect the people. Protect the Christians of the nations. Protect us from persecution that is coming our way. The Israelites needed They needed a shepherd. Just like God led his people out of Egypt, out of the Exodus, he will again restore them in the future. In the same way, many New Testament passages comes across salvation in the Old Testament passages, reminds Israel of the Exodus coming out of Exodus. I love it. I'm I'm dating myself now, but I remember the Ten Commandments with Ben-Hur. Not Ben-Hur, but uh, Charleston Heston. Or who the guy was. It's Charleston you can tell I'm too old, I can't remember who the guy was. But I remember my mom and dad, every year, we would have to watch this. I don't know why they made us do it, but every year, we watched the Ten Commandments, and that thing was like four hours long. It was, it was, it was horrible during that time of life. I was a third grader, fourth grader, fifth grade, sixth grader. I remember doing it several years in a row, and I remember Moses coming out of, uh, uh, coming out of Egypt and leading them down across the Red Sea and, and the Israelites drowning and all these different types of stuff. I remember the, and, and do you remember when Moses came down from, the, from Mount Sinai, he had the glory of the Lord upon him, Charleston Heston, that's who Moses was when I was a kid. Just the, the brilliance of who he was. And now I see this every time that the people of God cried out to God, God gave them a salvation. God gave them a way to escape what was taking place. It may have taken hundreds of years sometimes, especially in the book of uh, Judges. But there was a time where God would always answer the prayers of the people, no matter where they were. It may have been a time frame. They may have been stuck in their misery for many, many years. But there was always restitution. There was always reconciliation that God wanted to bring to his people. As we see in the scriptures that there are always good stories about God redeeming his people. If you think about your own life, I believe that there are stories in our own life how God has redeemed us. Time and time and time again. First with our salvation in Christ Jesus. Jesus saving us from our sins with the blood that was shed upon the cross. But then also, how many times has God delivered you from misery, situ- miserable situations? How many times has he brought someone into your life, has brought hope and brought redemption into your life? How many times has he done something that you are having difficulties with finances and God brings the answer in? There's times and times again that God always brings the good news. God hears us in our miseries. And when the Bible says that God hears, it means that God is listening and going to do something about it. Are you, I just want to ask you guys a question for a second. There are times in your life that your wife is talking and you just do the, "Uh uh-huh, yes, uh, yes, honey, yes, dear. I'm not saying I did that. I've read stories about, I have friends 
I have read, I have had friends that have done that stuff before with their spouses. My wife's not here right now. During second service, I won't use this illustration. Uh, but it's interesting, you know, a lot of times we, we, you know, someone is, maybe not even our spouse, but someone's talking to us and we're just, yes, yes. And we just kind of do that thing. We're not really listening. But really, I want you to understand that sometimes we feel like that when we are praying to God, when we are crying our heart out, when we are begging to God to, to answer our prayers, when we want redemption, we want to get out of our misery situation, we want to get out of the situation we're at. Sometimes I think as Americans, as Christians, I should say, we just think God is, uh-huh, yep, sure, whatever, keep going. But I want you to understand when we pray, the word pray, when God listens, he truly hears what you are saying. He knows the emotions that is behind the prayer. He sees the tears and the heart, the hurt that is in your life. So he doesn't just hear it like a guy sometimes hears it. But he hears it with deep, deep compassion. And when I see that, I know a father that loves us greatly. Who's someone that listens to you. Someone that truly acknowledges what you have to say, that's a person that I feel like I could be willing to share anything with. If they're willing to just take that moment and listen to my heart and my hurts, then I'm willing to open up to them completely. And that's how it is with God. So I want you to understand that everyone who rejects God faces judgment. Because I, I want you to understand that there is a point in our lives that we are paying for the sins of the United States. And, and this is something that's just my conjecture, my, my understanding of where we are as a nation. That we have fallen away from God. And a natural question arises from Israel for us today. What's going to happen to all those people who are causing the misery? After all, think about the nation that God is using to help Israel. Israel and ba- or Assyrian and Babylon. Israel's biggest enemies are coming in and declaring what God wants him to declare. They don't fear God. They don't honor God. They don't live ethical lives. What's going to happen to these people? I'm sure Israel was tempted to say, we might mess messed up, but we aren't as bad as those other guys. Have you ever done that before? Oh, I'm a bad guy, but I'm not as bad as that person down the street. As you might wonder, well, I can get God's going to, God's going to discipline me. But what about all those other people? Let's read verses 17 and 16 and 17 of Micah. And the nation of the world will stand amazed at what God will do for you. They will be embarrassed at their feeble power. They will cover their mouths in silent awe, deaf to everything around them. Sorry, I just lost my place. Like snakes crawling from their holes, they will come to meet the Lord our God. They will fear him greatly. Tremble in his presence. What powerful word pictures are here. The nation will embarrass at their feeble powers. The Assyrians were words, worldly powers, but their powers is nothing compared to God's almighty. They will come out of the ground like snakes crawling from their holes. They tremble at his presence. Micah writes out these words about all the people of God's, of God's presence. Following God is always done by the minority. Following Jesus is not popular, but not win many friends. Following Jesus sometimes feel like you are missing out on the fun. Yet one day your choice to follow Christ will be vindicated. In the New Testament we see the picture of what it is like. Philippians chapter 2, 10 and 11. 
At the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. Every tongue declare that the Lord Jesus Christ to the glory of the Father. I want you to understand today, my friends, that Christianity, standing for biblical principles, is not a popular thing today. It is something that you'll be mocked for. It is something that you'll be ridiculed for. It is something that you'll be persecuted for. It is something that you will lose your friends for when you stand for biblical truths. And if you don't stand for biblical truths, then what good are we? I'm sorry, Matthew says that we are the salt and the light of the earth. That if salt loses its saltiness, what good is it? My friends, we are calling you up to be powerful Christians in this world today. We, I, we as I think the scriptures, God is calling you up to be the difference in people's lives. Not through your power, because you have no power at all. But you have the power of the Holy Spirit in your life today. That is what God is calling us up for. Christianity is not a popular thing. And I will tell you, my friends, it's going to get even un- more unpopular The longer we go and the further we get away from biblical standards, from the biblical lordship of Jesus Christ, Christianity is going to get worse and worse in popularity. Will persecution come? I believe so. Steve, Michael, and I, we have been having a lot of conversations on the persecution that's going to come to the church. And what that looks like, I have no idea. But my question for myself is, is that I'm not willing to bow before Jesus and say that he is the Lord of Lord and King of Kings. If I'm not doing that at this moment, then I'm not ready for the fight. One day we will admit that Jesus is Lord and bow in respect. And we will bow in a choice. We will be bowed, being bowed in being commanded. The question is, how do you bow? I reminded earlier that the pattern of Micah Judgment, then blessing. Micah always follows his words of God's judgment with words of God's blessing. God won't punish his people forever. Eventually, he will save them. God rescues us because of his love, not because of our obedience. I will tell you, my friends, I have a very difficult time believing that statement right there. That God rescues us because of his love, not because of our obedience. I've shared a little before that my upbringing was, in my mindset, I don't know if that's the way they portrayed it, but rules and regulations. You do this, you do this, and you do this, and you're a good Christian. You go to church every Sunday, even when it snows, even when it blows, you, you go to church. You go to church on Sunday nights, you go to church on Wednesday nights, you hang out with the right people, you don't cuss. You don't lie. You don't steal. No, don't get me wrong. Those things are things that we, we, we teach our children, the morals and the values of Christianity, of what, what is right and what is true. But a lot of times in our lives, what I did was I took that, I took those, those rules, and I applied that God loves me because these are the things I do. Not because who I was. Not because who I am. But because the things I do for him. So I think, I, think I, I struggle with that. I struggle that today, that God loves me, not because of my obedience to him, but because who I am. That he loves me so much, even with all my flaws, he still loves me. Even if I don't go to church on Sundays. Even if I don't 
whatever it is that your list says you're supposed to do. God loves you for who you are, not for what you do. Now, please don't get me wrong. I think there's also a point of obedience to Christ as well, that we are to show the fruits of the spirits. We do that out of a reaction of loving God, not because God, not because that's why God loves us. How can we be so sure God rescues us in our lives? What if God changed his mind? What if I'm not good enough? Will he still rescue me? God doesn't rescue you because you deserve it. God doesn't save you because you are worthy. He rescues you. He saves you because he loves you. Micah chapter 7, and, or chapter 7 18 and 20 says this. Where is another God like you <coughs> who pardons the guilt of the remnant, overlooking the sins of a special people? You will not stay angry with your people forever. You will not, uh, because you delight in the showing unfailing love. Once again, you will have compassion on us. You will trample our sins under your feet and throw them to the depths of the ocean. You will show us faithfulness and unfailing, as you promised to our ancestors Abraham and Jacob long ago. The first words in 18, where, there's another, where is there another God like you? Can they be more direct translation? Who is the God like you? The answer, of course, is no one. Who is like the Lord? There is no one like the Lord. And as we look at the scripture, the prophet is making a play on his own name, on his own words here. He's showing why Micah is such a great name for your kids. Because who is like the Lord? That's what Micah means. Who is God? It's amazing. Well, one thing. God tramples over the sins of the people. He casts them into the ocean. That means he no longer holds them into his thought process. He puts them out of his mind. So when we ask, when God forgives us of our sins, he remembers our sins no more. And I, this is something I think is very, in my mind, uh, it, it's one of those elementary truths that we know that God doesn't remember our sins anymore, but we have issues with, sometimes with elementary teachings. When we are to forgive someone, we're supposed to forgive them, right? And how many times have you heard someone say, well, you can forgive you. I'll forgive you, but I'm not going to forget. How many times do we do that to our spouses? The honey, I forgive you. I forgive the things that we've done. But do you remember when? And I know there are very specific things I've done that I've hurt my wife. I've asked her to forgive me, and she has. And she doesn't bring those things up anymore. Isn't it a blessing that God doesn't bring up our past sins anymore? But we bring up the sins. We bring up the remembrance, the remembrance of what took place and why we're such a bad person. But remember that God loves you not because you're obedient. He loves you for who you are. Did he know you were going to make mistakes? Did he know you were going to sin? Did he know you were going to do horrible things? Absolutely. But he loves you. And he's willing to do anything for you, even willing to die. God says he won't be at his, angry at his people forever. Why not? It's because his people finally cleaned up their act. No, it's because he enjoyed demonstrating his love. It's not because the people, but it's because God chose to bring them out of their misery and bring them to a position of, a position of, of love, a position of them accepting the word. And God will again and again put his character on display, his love and his faithfulness, even when we are not faithful. My friends, I will tell you, I'm not a faithful guy all the time to the Lord. I, I get on these, I am a, I'm a squirrel guy. There's a shiny object over there and I will run to it. 
and there's another little shiny object over there, and I will run to it. That's how I preach. You guys know that. I am. I just squirrel, 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 and I really. I've. I, that's just me. And there are times that's how I'm in my relationship with God. How horrible is that to say that? Oh, I'm worshiping God, and all of a sudden, oh, I forgot. I need to do. I need to send that text real quick, or I need to do this, or I. I'm. I. And I'm. But the thing is. I have to remember, even though when I do my squirrel activities, God still loves me for who I am. And he doesn't care about my squirrel activities. You know why? I think that's how he made me. Maybe that's an excuse. It could be Red Bulls too. But that's another debate, and you can lecture me later how bad they are. And that's just propaganda. It's just people saying bad things about Red Bull. You coffee drinkers. Coffee's just as bad. Uh, anyway, I'm just, I'm s- s- sort of joking. Um, I, I really am joking. But it's interesting how, how we do these things. I want you to understand that he will be, uh, so going back to my notes, he promised Abraham and Jacob that he would make a special people. He promised that the people would always be there, always have the remnants of believers. The special spe- uh, people started with one family, the family of Abraham. Then extended to the nation of Israel and eventually included everyone who trusts in Jesus. You are a special person to Jesus Christ. You truly, truly are. God promises salvation to these ancestors and he will deliver on it. He brings them out of their misery. But I, will, I don't know about you, but I am one of these questions. Well, what about? What about these people over here that God never brought out of the misery. What about those people over here that are being persecuted and being brought to death? What about those people? I will tell you, my friends, that, that people are going through those types of miseries, a persecution of the faith. They have such great faith. They are willing to die for their belief in Jesus Christ. They are willing to die for their Savior. They are receiving glory when they die. But I tell you, my friends, that God wants to bring you out of your misery. He wants to show you His love because you are special to him. This promise had to deal with human sin. Jesus came to take judgment away from sin. He is fulfilling God's promise from old. I want you to understand something. If you don't get anything out of the sermon, that's the one thing I've gotten out. Is that God loves you, not because of your obedience. But he loves you. He loves you because you're his child. And it isn't amazing what we do for our own children. The heartache hardships, the financial strain, what we do for our kids is nothing incomparable to what Jesus and God, how he loves us. Misery isn't permanent, but your relationship with Christ is. All those who refuse to follow will one day see their folly and their choices. But my friends, you can experience the forgiveness of God, not because of what you do, but because how God loves you today. I, I think probably most of you are believers. Most of you have that relationship with God. Most of you put your faith in him. That doesn't mean you don't have misery in your life. It doesn't mean you have hardships in your life. But I want you to understand, my friends, that if we look at the, the Old Testament, Micah, that God redeemed the people of Israel. And my prayer is that God will redeem, redeem the Christians of the United States. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you, God, so much for this day. I thank you, Lord, for who you are, and Lord, for the simple elementary truths that sometimes have to be taught 
over and over and over again until we finally grasp what you have to say. Lord, thank you for loving us. Lord, I know that I am the sinner. Lord, that I am saved by grace. I am saved by what you have done upon the cross. And Lord, as the book of Micah, Micah just represents so much of the, of the lives of Israel, Lord. Lord, I see America there. I pray, my Father, just for our country. Lord, as the elections are coming up and so much rumors and discontent of what's taking place. Lord, I pray, God, that you will just bring peace to our land. Lord, that you will bring us back to that relationship with you. Lord, that your people will humble themselves. Lord, that you, we will pray for our leaders. That we will pray for those who we disagree with. Lord, that we will pray for our enemies. Lord, when someone makes us walk a mile, we will walk an extra. When someone wants our cloak, we give them more. Lord, I pray that we are your representations here on earth. That you empower us through your Holy Spirit. Lord, challenge us, Lord. And help us, Lord, with our unbelief. It's in Jesus' name we pray.